On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football news. OU football marched on Friday and then scrimmaged on Saturday. We give you our thoughts on everything going on in Norman. Plus, we discuss seeding at games after Oklahoma State gave us a glimpse of what it'll look like in Stillwater. In the National College Football Roundup, we discuss the SEC coach that is making us feel like everything is normal. We break down a nice game added to the non-conference slate for an ACC team and discuss everyone's favorite dumpster fire, the Big Ten, having some second thoughts about canceling football in the fall. During Football Guys Talking Basketball, we discuss the beat down the Thunder received from the Rockets in Game 5. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and discuss the opening of fall hunting season in the state of Oklahoma in Keeping It Local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Oh, man, Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. beautiful Monday, August 31st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts couldn't be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. And remember those offers for new customers that we've been telling you about on all these episodes? Well, apparently so many of you guys took advantage of that, that they are working on a new offer for our listeners. So we'll get that to you as soon as we can. So good job on getting all the free money. I'm proud of you guys. Well done. Which is good. We got to start over after I lost our, um, the last wet, the beak. We're back down to zero. So we need something new. (laughs) Hey, that's why they call it gambling, baby. All right. Now, First Fidelity Bank, they also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now, we're recording this on Sunday night, and I feel like it, it's a win. We're, we're still breathing. You know, sometimes that's my mentality on the weekend, Ted, and you hopped on the Zoom, and I was like, hey, look, I know Ted was getting after it this weekend. What, uh, the, the, the youngster went to Mima's, uh, Yeah. So I knew the layman's were getting weird, so it was good to see your face, bud. Yeah, it was fun. It was, a, uh, it was an entertaining weekend, and you're right. The bar has been set extremely low that if we just make it to Sunday night and we're here and college football is still apparently happening, then that is a win for a weekend. So thumbs up on my end. Yeah, 
So I'm, I'm the same way. Now, my wife's side of the family does something that I've always thought is pretty cool. You know, they got a big side of the family for her. And they, they do this thing where they get together once a month for everyone's birthday that has a birthday in that month. And so I've got a birthday in September. So uh, I went, obviously, and I get some presents, but I had to leave early. I had to leave before presents were opened because I had to record this podcast with you because we have a firm and it is a non-negotiable recording time. Like we get it done. That's what we do. So basically I'm telling you that my treat for recording this podcast and getting it done in an efficient manner is I get to open a bunch of birthday gifts, even though my birthday is not for several weeks. I'm, I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I'm hoping I got good stuff, man. That's how you do it. Man, you start the month off properly. That's perfect. I like it. It's like a, uh, it's just like a little primer before the real birthday. What happens if it's all just like terrible stuff? Oh no, it can't uh, be. It'll be fine. You say thank you. Okay, you here we go. It, or you predictions. Say, Give me some real stuff next time. What are your predictions? What if you had to guess? Because uh, like I'm turning thirty this month dude so i'm getting old so what do you get a 30 year old man for his birthday i'm thinking what a, a couple of gift cards have are, you are gonna seen be down the there. boxes or the the packages they're in I, i'm coming in blind the wife grabbed all the stuff i i left i left early to come you know start getting ready to do the pod and i i have no idea haven't seen it got no clue um Close? okay so i would say Maybe clothes. You've got the upcoming season that you're going to be doing. Maybe some type of housewarming situation as well. Oh. Something for the new house. Dude, that's a I good don't know call. What I that didn't even think be, about that. But Oh, no. Dude, what happens if they just got me a bunch of stuff for the house and it's really all just for Caroline? It's like, congratulations. Here's a new shower head. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I, I won't be that mad. I mean, it's free stuff. I, I, you haven't officially – you're not a part of the family until you get, like, a new, like, set of steak knives or something like that. Socks, socks and underwear. <laughs> right. Yes. That'd be fine. Whatever. Hey, whatever. Whatever they get me, I'll be fine. I'll be a fine. new mailbox. I'll, How's your mailbox? Our mailbox, we already have one. So if they got uh, us a new mailbox, dang. I'm taking it back. But maybe they get me a really good mailbox, and I can just get the cash from it. You know what I'm saying? There you go. Mailbox is not cheap. All right. Well, it, it won't be that bad. I'll report back on the next episode. All right, Ted, but let's get right to it. Local college football news. And that is brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate, maybe. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know, and that is starting to happen a lot. So thank you. Thank you, everyone that is doing that. Ted, let's get to the OU football news. Instead of practicing on Friday, OU's entire team and coaching staff held a unity march from the stadium to the unity garden in the South Oval. Lincoln Riley spoke. Uh, the team held a moment of silence. Uh, they prayed together. It was, it was powerful stuff. 
man. It was powerful stuff. It was good to see the team coming together like that. And Lincoln Riley continues to show a great understanding of what it means to be a head college football coach. It is not just X's and O's. It's not just wins and losses. The most important thing for a college football coach, in my opinion, and I know if you don't win games, you lose your job, but truly caring about your players as people is the most important thing. And if you do that, I think everything else kind of falls in place. You treat your players well. You actually care about them. They're not just a number. You get to know them as people. And I think that's what Lincoln Riley has done. And even if he can't, which uh, just like you and me, Ted, like we can't relate. We have no idea what it's like being a black man. Like we don't. But even though Lincoln Riley maybe can't relate to some of his players' life experiences and the feelings they have, the emotions they're feeling right now with what's going on in the country. Like the fact that he is able to show empathy to say that, Hey, I am here supporting my guys. I, I have a lot more respect for Lincoln Riley. Now I do. I do. I think he has earned a ton of respect around the country with the way that he has handled this. And this stuff is not going unnoticed. It's not going unnoticed by other coaches. I think other coaches are kind of following his lead. It's not going unnoticed by his current players. It's not going unnoticed by his former players. And it's not going unnoticed by his fans, right? By OU fans. Now, some OU fans, when you get into the political issues, like, yeah, they have differing opinions. But I don't think anyone disagrees with Lincoln Riley standing by his guys, right? Like you can disagree on the issues, but the fact that the head football coach at the University of Oklahoma is supporting his players in every way he can, that's a football coach you should be proud of. That, that, and I, I mean that. I mean, that's a coach you should be proud that is associated with the team you support. Yeah. I mean, I think what Lincoln has done is – incredibly rare he's he's shown that football doesn't always have to be the most important thing that players health players uh feelings players um angst about society and and what's going on out there can be more important than football and you can still win at an extremely high level and showing that you can do both is exactly what you're talking about. It's having other coaches across the country have to take notice and say that, dang, I can't get beat. I uh, used to, you could get beat maybe on social issues and stuff like that. As long as you won on the football field. Well, right. you can't get beat on both, right? You can't get beat, uh, you know, having your player's best interest and looking out for them and uh, being their advocate and, um, you know, the, the football field, it's just, you, he's married the two perfectly to where, um, he's a, he's a guy that's out front and is talked about and is noticed about the way that he treats and interacts with his players. And he's out in front about how good he's doing on the football field, winning football games. So 
I don't know that you could necessarily do it any better than he's doing it right now. And it, it equals narrative and narrative turns into recruiting. I mean, that's, that's such an, when you got a positive vibe about your university and your football program, it turns into great recruiting. Like the, the way that Lincoln Riley is handling these things, like it is not going unnoticed by big time recruits. I mean, you saw the Caleb Williams and, and, you know, the guys coming in next year, like you saw them quote tweeting the stuff that OU football's Twitter account was putting out. And they were like, I can't wait to get there. Like, yeah, that's my coach. So I listen, I know there's a lot of people that are split on things that are going on right now. I mean, it's, it's very political environment, but it, I think it says a lot about Lincoln Riley that he can have that empathy. Like, even though, and we should all be able to do this, even though we may have different opinions, even though we don't have similar life experiences, we should all be able to hear people out and say, okay, I understand. I haven't been through that, but I'm sorry that you go through these things. Like, I, I think this, this country, this world, and not to get too deep or anything, but, like, it would be such a better place if people had that empathy. It's like you don't have to agree. Like, you don't have to change your mind on things. Like, no one's asking you to change your mind. It's just acknowledge that other people may go through things that you don't go through. Like, that's... That's, that's how the world works. And I, I think Lincoln Riley's done a great job of understanding that, portraying that message. And you're right, Ted. This is, if we're just, if we're looking at the football side of it, right, which you always factor it in, this is very good for recruiting. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And if fans are, you know, kind of on the fence about how this whole thing is going down, maybe that's how you need to look at it. Like, this is good for Oklahoma football recruiting. Lincoln Riley is now known as the guy that stands by his players. Like he's got his black players backs like that. That that is now out there. It is well-documented and it's, it's a good thing to be that that's being said about Lincoln Riley when they go out and recruit. Like I, I think people look at Lincoln Riley differently now. I really do. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, if you like, if he was a politician and you're polling people on, like your image and favorability and and all of those things, he'd have a he'd have great poll numbers because, you know, I can't think of, like the one negative against Lincoln Riley right now, is that they didn't bring their players back soon enough, you know, in the summer, and obviously if you're talking football, it's the college football playoff wins, but I mean, he's football wise he's right up there with the top uh with any of the other coaches in the country and on issues with his players he's right up there on the top so i think uh i think oklahoma fans and they do but should feel very happy about the coach they've got right now yeah and in this season i know that you know that we had some bad timing with whenever the the new contracts and all that stuff was announced even though they'd all been agreed upon back in february but He's earning that check this year, man. This has been a crazy year, 
and the stuff that they've had to put up with or not necessarily put up with, but just try and work through in order to just do the things that they usually do just by showing up is, is crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's had to deal with crisis after crisis. It seems like in this latest one, uh, he's, he's handled it beautifully. Now they marched on Friday and they scrimmaged on Saturday. So, I mean, they got right back to it. And uh, you let the players say what they need to say. You let them march. You let them protest. And then you get back to work. So, once again, Lincoln Riley, you know, pressing all the right buttons there in Norman. In Norman. So, on Saturday night, they scrimmaged. It was basically their end of training camp scrimmage. It's the last scrimmage they're going to have. So, some of the takeaways from it, the staff feels really good about their depth on both sides of the ball. Now, they may not have some elite players at certain positions that they've had over the last couple of years, but overall, they feel like they have more quality players up and down the roster. And I'm not sure there's a year where it's more important than this year, right? So clearly things are a little weird with some guys having to sit out with contact tracing rules and all and all that stuff going on. But I guess the concern is that maybe with all the guys in and out of practice, and clearly you have guys get banged up, miss some practice, things like that. Maybe the concern, and I don't think OU's the only team. I think this is something that, you know, all the schools that are playing on playing football are probably dealing with. But they haven't really been able to develop the chemistry probably that you would want to see at all the positions, right? You, you have offensive line, you got defensive line, you've had receivers in and out of practice. So that chemistry that you really hope would be in a really good place when you're two weeks from playing a football game, I, I don't think it's quite where they would want it to be. But then again, it kind of seems like that's out of their control and Titty, it seems like everyone across the country is dealing with that. Like, this isn't just an OU thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's truth right there. Everyone's had to deal with this. Uh, schedules have been completely thrown out. But you do have to factor it in. I mean, you know, we're used to seeing this offense come out and really click right from the beginning, scoring points, uh, looking efficient, running the ball well, throwing the ball well. It may be a little bit different this year whenever you have a freshman quarterback and you factor in some of those chemistry things. I mean, the amount that Spencer Rattler has thrown to these receivers this year compared to a typical year is a tiny percentage. I mean, usually guys are with their receivers, quarterbacks are with their receivers, starting whenever you first report back in January, and they're doing something with those guys weekly all the way through until the first game. Some of it's organized. Some of it's just, you know, the quarterbacks going out with uh, the wideouts. They really developed that chemistry. And I've heard Jason White, you know, speak about some of those different things and give some really good examples about how chemistry is a factor. Uh, I've heard him do that a bunch of times. So it is something that they're going to have to work through and have to build on. But the lucky thing, as you touched on, is everyone's dealing with it. And, you know, it could be a little ugly early on in college football, but I think that's a good thing considering that, you know, it'd be one thing if we missed spring, missed most of summer, uh, had to go home a week during training camp, and no one else had to deal with anything like that. But we know that's not true. Right. 
everyone's dealing with this stuff and it's just uh, i think people need to realize and accept it that key players for oklahoma are going to miss football games this year key players for alabama for clemson for all of these teams like there's going to be a day before the game where you go oh my gosh we've got three starters out like and that's that's just it, it's going to be weird it's not going to be normal. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to suck, and uh, I don't think any of us are going to like it, but it's just the way it's going to be this year. So get used to it, guys. Get used to it. Now, so they scrimmage Saturday, and now they're moving into what they're calling a mock game week in Norman. So this week they are – basically treating it like they're playing a game on Saturday. That includes meetings, lifts, practice structure, treating it exactly the same like you're getting ready and going to play a game this week. But one really interesting thing, they have moved to practicing in the morning essentially every day, which is, I mean, it, it, it's not normal. I know, I know that Chip Kelly had his thing at Oregon and uh, some people adopted that, but this is not something OU has done. They've had a day or two in the week where they would do this. But, I mean, they're, they've moved it. to. They're basically – now, Mondays are a little different, but they're basically practicing in the morning every time they practice. So, they're getting lifts in early. We're talking like 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. Those guys are then getting taped. They're into meetings around 7.30 in the morning. They're on the field by 9.30-ish, and then they're off the field at like 11.30. So players are done by noon. I guess it was easier for them to do it this way, uh, for them to structure players' class schedules. But this is something we haven't seen around here. And all I know, and it sounds like the kids like it, the early feedback they're getting from the players, like they like it fine. So, okay. Fine. I would hate this so damn much. Agree. Teddy, this – I saw this. I was being told about it, and I was like, that's literally my worst nightmare. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it, it looks bad. Part of me is like, it's horrible uh, practicing that early. Like, whenever it's super hot out, it's nice to practice in the morning uh, before that heat wave in the afternoon. But – it's not hot all year. You know, you get into a point where it's going to be incredibly cold and getting up and getting up there to lift at 6 and oh. meetings at 7.30 and then practice at 9.30 on a crisp 25 or 30-degree day is a little <laughs> bit different, okay? So, uh, and I know they've got the indoor, so that's not necessarily fair. But um, I, the thing that has me like, because it's like a Friday schedule in the NFL where you're done by that's a, about Dude, that's noon. a great that's a great point. It's like a fast Friday in the yeah, league. Yeah, in, in the NFL, Friday was like the greatest day because it's Friday, we're out of here at noon. It's like, woohoo. And it's kind of the same thing here. It's like the ability to be completely done with your football responsibilities by noon every day is I mean, in theory, it sounds great, but you know. Like, if I go back to whenever I played, if I was done with all my football responsibilities at noon, 
that would mean that Coach Venables would tell me that, well, you've got eight hours in the afternoon to watch film. It's perfect. But <laughs> what about that? And, and I know we, we've talked about it, so I know you're kind of the same way, but when you know football's the first thing you're doing in the day, especially yeah. maybe you uh, – you had some bad plays in the practice oh, yeah. before uh, the, the day before. anxiety laying down on the pillow that after you had a big screw up in the, the day previous or the game previous, oh. and you're going to get roasted by your coach at, at 730. 730. In the morning. <laughs> oh my God. Talk about start your day off. Look, I see this, this is layman. Yesterday we specifically said to not do this stupid thing that he's doing here. And here he is. Being a moron, doing exactly that. Yeah. Happy Monday, guys. Teddy. Yeah. Like, uh, into, have and, a nice day, guys. And for me, and I say it'd be my worst nightmare. I know that's that's pretty, you know, pretty drastic. But I am, I even in college, still the same way. Now. I've always been a guy that stays up late. Mm-hmm. I always have. It's not. It's not something I want to do. I have struggled my entire life to fall asleep early. Like I have. As, as my parents put it, I have a, I have a problem turning my brain off, like constantly thinking. So like, I, so I, if this would have been my structure in college and I'd, you'd like to think you, you'd be able to adapt to these things. Like, yeah, we all know humans are extremely adaptable, but I, dude, I don't know if I would have been any good because I yeah, would have been well, running on fumes, man. I mean, fumes. I'm kind of the same way. Like my bedtime doesn't ever necessarily change. The time I wake up does. So like, I'm the if same way. If your bedtime doesn't change and the time you wake up does, that means that you just deal with less sleep. And <laughs> I pretty much didn't sleep hardly at all from like, I don't know, the year 2000 until about the year 2012. So Perfect. It's like that whole span of my lifetime doesn't even exist. I can barely remember it because I was a zombie walking around. But, yeah, I mean, I'm the same way, man. It's I'm better now as I've gotten older. But, you know, whenever I was playing football and all of the stuff you worry about surrounding it, it's, it's hard to shut it off and, and fall asleep without Ambien, which – and that's another problem. <laughs> so yeah. – which then you, you know, walk around like a zombie and like you're in the middle of the street doing yeah. push-ups or something and <laughs> while, while, while you're out like a light. Oh, dude, some of those ambient stories are wild. I know. I know. They're wild. Uh, all right, one, be, one more piece of OU football news. And it's annoying. I mean, it's annoying. It's frustrating. Uh, OU still has not gotten any feedback from the NCAA on the suspensions of Trajan Bridges, Ronnie Perkins, and Ramondre Stevenson. It's pretty, uh, pretty crazy that they haven't gotten an official ruling on those guys. They play a game in less than two weeks. So I, I don't know when they're going to hear about it. They don't know when they're going to hear about it. It's kind of get ridiculous, in my opinion, because these are three guys that would start for this football team. Undoubtedly, Ramondre Stevenson's the most complete back they've got. Trajan Bridges with Jaden Hazelwood out for the foreseeable future. Like he would be a huge addition to that wide receiver core. And then Ronnie Perkins is probably in the top three of your overall player, definitely in the top three of your overall players on the football team. So uh, they need to know if these guys can play. 
or not. And I, I wanted to float this out there for you, Ted. What about this? We've seen the NCA already. They've given everyone an extra year of eligibility. They've said, hey, this year is weird. Here you go. Have an extra year, right? Okay, fine. What if they just say, you know what? We're waiving all suspensions this season. I Would anyone have a problem with that? Mm-hmm. I, it certainly, maybe it's just because it would really help out Oklahoma, but I don't think anyone would say anything. They'd be like, all right, yeah, cool. I can only give you an answer after I thoroughly go through the NCAA suspension list and make sure that we don't play someone that would benefit from this more than we would. Will this help Texas in any way? Right. Which, you know, talking about how we like our depth, there's a lot of other teams out there that don't like their depth. And if they're missing guys, that can hurt them uh, drastically. So uh, I love the idea of it. Um you know, being able to get these guys back and, you know, why we haven't figured out or found out more or what the official ruling is going to be, I don't know. Are you starting to buy into my random fax and printer theory with the NCAA that it's they don't it, know where it is? Yeah, it's just sitting in a stack of papers somewhere, and they're like, oh, yeah. That, there's like that one guy or woman at the NCAA that, like, procrastinates really badly. It's like – they put it in a folder like, hey, this has to be decided by September 5th or something, and they're going to do it September 5th. Like, it's unreal that they don't know if these guys can play yet or not. Yeah, I don't know. It's, the, the whole thing is, is fascinating to me. You know, and I would say, like, God, what the NCAA has been going through this year is, you know, I can understand it. But, <laughs> you know, it's not like they've really been involved really in anything that has been happening, the, you know? They've their whole mentality nowhere. has been, you know what? Out of sight, let out the of conferences decide. Or they've gone with, you know what? That's going to be decided by each school individually. Like, it, this is the year with the NCA, and I know they do a lot, but they've been getting roasted for doing nothing. Yeah. It's one of those times whenever, you know, whenever you say, we'll let the conferences figure it out for themselves, it's like, huh. Okay, well, yeah, uh, that makes some sense. And then it's like, well, we'll let each school figure that out for themselves. And it's like, well, hang on a second here. If you're going to keep saying that, then what the hell are you for? You know, it's like, <laughs> what do you, what would you say you do here? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's possible. Wave all the suspensions. You're already given all these guys an extra year of eligibility. Wave the suspensions. Do the right thing, NCA and. It's not just because it would help Oklahoma a ton. Yes, it is. I think the um, the NCAA could benefit from a meeting with the Bobs from the office. <laughs> so, what you're tell? Do you actually take the suspension reinstatement and go hand it to the coaches? Well, well I don't. But you somebody, <laughs> I have people skills. <laughs> oh man, that's well, great. Let's hope, let's hope they help OU out. One piece of Oklahoma State football news, and it was, it was pretty interesting. And I know there was a lot of chatter about Gundy's contract and a force majeure clause and all that stuff being added. And it seems like it's easier or less painful for Oklahoma State now if they fire him down the line. I, I don't really think that's going to happen. So I, I don't think it's worth a discussion. But something that certainly is worth a discussion is a picture that Senior Associate Athletic Director Kevin Clintworth 
put out on Twitter, and it was a picture that gave us a glimpse of what social distancing seating will look like at Boone Pickens Stadium. And it was pretty interesting because they just have these orange chair backs that look like they're spaced out a little bit. They're in like groups of two or four, and it, it seems like that's how it's going to be pretty much everywhere around the country. It's going to be like you're in your little pods, right, Ted? And I, I thought that Oklahoma State putting, out that, putting it out there, and it seems like they're the first school to put that out there. It, it kind of made it real. It was like, oh, that's what it's going to look like. Yeah. Um, it, it's still I, – I don't know. It's so weird to think about football with even limited fans because – it's the sea of people is one of the things that's so cool about it. And uh, it, just to see the picture and to try and, uh, you know, rationalize what it's going to look like or try to predict like the feeling game day is, you know, it's, it's what they're doing. It's, I mean, they don't have many other options. So maybe once you get bodies there, it's a little bit better maybe than what we're imagining, but it's still going to make college football feel com- completely different. Like, the big game atmosphere, you're just not going to be able to replicate it, you know, not having a jammed stadium. Yeah, I just wonder, like, are people just going to stay in their seats? Like, are are, are people still going to, like, high – like, what is a celebration in the crowd going to look like? Like, is there going to be high-fiving? Like, is there going to be hugging? The beach ball embracing? in the crowd doesn't work nearly as good when everyone's spaced <laughs> out, right? That, uh, I don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to be weird. The whole thing's going to be weird. It's going to look weird. It's going to feel weird. I mean, 20% can still get pretty loud, but, I mean, in no way can 20,000 people sound like 85,000 people. It just can't happen. So, I don't know, man. And I don't know if – do you think there's any chance that the guidelines change throughout the season? That's, that's one of the – With the uh, CDC's kind of new, like, testing protocol and everything? I mean – Yeah, will that affect – like, are these, you know, these seating capacities that are coming out and how they're going to group the seats and these pods, like, are these permanent for the entire season? That's not something that – you know, we, it seems like we've heard some schools come out and be like, all right, this is what we're doing for the season. But if a lot changes in a month, I don't think a school should be prevented from going, okay, hey, we're changing our philosophy on this. We're, we're going to let more people in. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if schools changed it during the season, but I, I just don't know. I, I don't have a, probably a good enough grasp of the logistics of how that all would work. But it's I think be it's easier doable. to open it up than it is to, to limit it, you know? Right. So, yeah. Oh yeah. And I know that Josie had said all along that they've got different protocols for, you know, whatever percentage they're going to let in the stadium. So maybe they just move to one of those, but you're right. It is, it is difficult to just all of a sudden change right in the middle, but I don't know. I feel like a lot of this and, Clearly, governors of each individual state have a lot to do with it, but I think a lot of it was kind of driven by um, public perception and um, you know presenting yourself as if you're as if you're being cautious and and you know helping flatten the curve or or whatever that might be. And 
I do feel like there's starting to be a bit of a turn publicly about the whole thing and about, um, uh, you know, economies opening up and people being out and about. So I don't know, there may be a time after we, we play football for a month or month and a half with 20%, 25% capacities that people say, Hey, we're going to move it up to 40% or 50%. I don't know. I, I mean, 33 and one third percent. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's the most confusing thing. It's like, well, that, that place holds 81,000. Okay. What's 25%? Round numbers, like, please. Yeah. Just round give numbers. me a round number. Give me a round number, please. All right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup, and that is brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. All right, let's check in on our friends in the SEC, Ted. And there is one SEC coach who is making everything feel normal. The, the secrecy. I love it. It makes it feel like the season is here. Sam Pittman, brand new head coach there at Arkansas, was asked when he will name his starting quarterback. And he simply said, that as soon as Kirby Smart names Georgia's starting quarterback, he'll name Arkansas's starting quarterback because they play each other in the SEC opener. And this feels so normal to me. I, I love it. it. It makes me feel like there's nothing crazy in the world happening right now. Now, no offense to Sam Pittman. I don't think it's really going to matter who they go with that quarterback on September 26th, they are going to get smacked by Georgia. But I do appreciate the gamesmanship. It, it makes me feel like this is a normal college football season. When I saw these quotes, I was like, yes, yes. We're getting back to normal a little bit. Um, here's what's interesting about Pittman in Arkansas. In no way do I expect him to be any good this year at all. I don't. But uh, I've heard a lot of good things about him and how it's gone at Arkansas so far. I mean, obviously the expectations with the schedule that they've got are very, very low, and people, people understand that right now. But apparently he's fantastic for the players. He's doing really well on the recruiting, uh, uh, recruiting trail as much as you can for a team like Arkansas that's – you know, been behind so many other uh, squads just in their division. So I love this. I love the gamesmanship. I love whenever um, things start to get chippy before you even step on the field, even though that's not necessarily chippy. But this is – it's all right in the world whenever the SEC schools are barking back and forth at each other, right? It, especially when 
the coach of a team that could, could quite possibly not win a game, right, in this 10-game in this SEC schedule. Him going, nope, not naming my quarterback. I, I, need that, I need the essence of surprise against Georgia in the opener. Like, I, I love it. It, it, is, it is peak college football. Let me ask you a question, though. Is there any part of you that wishes or wants college football to have any of the protocols the NFL does as far as, like, injury reports and stuff like that? I don't really care because I don't gamble on the games. Like, I I feel like people that place friendly wagers on the games really want those things. And I understand that, right? I think, but... I think the media does, too. I think um, I'm with you. I actually like that they don't release it. I think part that adds to the intrigue of a game. But the media hates that in the NFL they disclose it. And in college football, like, they can't offer anything that anyone else doesn't know. You know, it's like it's it's a weird situation. And, And it seems like the line is, well, the NFL guys get paid and the college guys don't, right? That, that seems to be why people are like, yeah, we're fine without getting the injury report for the college kids. It would be a lot of fun. I don't know. When, when would they have to drop it? Like a day before the game? Two days before the game? Like 24 hours know. before kickoff? Like I, I wonder because – In the NFL, it's got to be – you've got to have it by what? Is it Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning? It's got to be – kind of defined at least where you are and then it's got to be updated every day and as you'll know every single player on the entire new england's patriots is always on the injury report and it's tom brady had a bad elbow for like a decade or something <laughs> right it was questionable to play <laughs> yeah i i wouldn't mind it i don't know like it could be vague right this is if there was ever a college football injury report this is how i assume it would be it would be exactly like the NHL, right? Lower body injury, upper body injury. Like, yeah. and that's all it would say. I, I have right. a feeling that's – if they ever went the route of an injury report, that would be what it would look like and sound like. And we'd all be like, well, okay, this is uh, pretty useless. I, and, I, you know, the, the mystery is part of, like, what is so cool about college football – what have you heard? Is is he is he got a roll a sprained ankle? Is it just, oh, it just sources? It? The people it's with just, sources would they'd be hurting, right? Because sources say that Ramondre Stevenson was, was spotted in a boot after the game. That's what we have to go off of in college football. And and uh-huh. now it would be like, dude, I've got sources that say that he's got a bad ankle. And you're like, yeah, dude, your source is the injury report. It says it right there. <laughs> dumbass no i don't i don't know i don't know i wouldn't mind it i i don't really care either way but i I know a lot of people in the media would love it and certainly the gamblers would love it now one other interesting thing in the sec according to ugasports.com justin fields was back in athens now remember his sister still goes to georgia so he was back in athens this week and even stopped by georgia's scrimmage on Saturday, I would pay – I'm not sure how much money, but I would pay a decent amount of money to see 
Jamie Newman and JT Daniels reaction when they saw Justin Fields strut into that scrimmage? I bet they were like, wait, 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 he's not coming back. Is he like, he, no, no. Can you imagine the, I mean, just the, the conspiracy theories flying around campus whenever he was walking around and someone saw him walking into the football building. I mean, I bet people were going crazy down there. I bet it was awesome. I bet it was so awesome. And there's probably some guys on that Georgia team that were like, Hey dude, you know, you guys aren't playing this fall. Why don't you, why don't you come back now? It'd be kind of hard because remember he got granted that immediate eligibility waiver because you know, that whole whole situation that happened at Georgia with him. So I, I don't think that that would work out for him. But it was funny when I read that. I was like, oh, my gosh, those guys had to be so – just the fact that he was there, they had to be so pissed off. Well, hey, the guy – apparently, if I remember correctly, the guy that uh, yelled the, the slur at him was kicked out of – kicked off campus. So, hey, oh. if he's gone, then I feel comfortable again. Let's Loophole. go. Loophole. Love it. Send See, I love back. it. I would I, – I'm not going to pretend like – I would love for Fields to go back to Georgia and for us to be able to watch him to play this year. Like Can he's imagine I he's mean, arguably the best player in college football. Like, yeah, I want to watch the guy play. Well, like I don't care about that. I I kind of am interested to see what Newman looks like, but true. I want to see it to see like if Fields could go win a Heisman at Georgia while the Big Ten sat at home and watched after canceling their season would be like the, I mean, that would be the ribbon on top, wouldn't it? I mean, that would just be everything. That would be, that would be pretty hilarious. And I think we would all, that we talk about peak college football. That would be peak <laughs> college football, just chaos everywhere. I would, I'd pay money to see that for sure. All right, let's check in on our friends in the ACC. They have updated they're testing protocols for when the season actually starts, just like the SEC and the Big 12. They will require three tests per week, including one on Friday. So guys getting tested right before the game. I think this is the best way to do it. We've talked about it a lot, Ted. And this is the new standard three times a week. That's a hell of a lot, but that's just the way it's got to be. Yep, it is three times a week. And I mean – it's one thing to go to practice on a Thursday or a Friday and have some nerves that your quarterback doesn't sprain an ankle, right? Or hurt a shoulder or throw a football and bang his hand on the back of someone's helmet and break a finger. But can you imagine the nerves across college football players and coaches? I mean, because there's guys that are popping tests left and right that have zero symptoms, 100% asymptomatic. You got, I mean, every time you send that, and not to mention there's been tons of rumors of false positives. I bet every Friday that is the most nervous group you could ever imagine. Could could you imagine taking a test and not knowing whether or not you'll be able to play tomorrow? It's just like, all right, I've put in a full week of practice. Like, I'm a huge part of the game plan. Here's to hoping I pass my COVID-19 test. I know, it's, it's like a fate. You never know what's going to happen. 
it's a new stressful situation for everyone. Yeah, there's, uh, there's no doubt about that. Okay, so in the ACC, when it comes to fans in the stands, you've got North Carolina announcing they won't have any fans for football games in the month of September. And then you've got Clemson, who announced that they'll have 19,000 fans in the stands. They're going with the system of pods of two and four, kind of like what we saw in that picture from Oklahoma State. So that's just college football right now. I mean, you've got states that are right next to each other. And one team is saying, you know what? We're going to start the season off no fans in the month of September. We're going to see how it goes. And then right down the road, or I guess it's not right down the road, but not too far, you've got Clemson going, yeah, we can, we can probably fit 19 grand in here. Like, it's just, it's so crazy how it's different just school by school. I mean, it's, I, I, maybe I'm stupid for assuming that there'd be some sort of like consistency, at least within conferences, but this is so individualized that, yeah, I, I just saw that and I was like, wow, that is, that is something. What I think is interesting, like, so Clemson, I've never been there, so this is just kind of going off of what I've heard. Clemson is a, a small town, campus town, and it's in what, the far southwest corner of South Carolina. And, I mean, I think Atlanta's like two hours away. You're pretty close to some other big areas, but Clemson's one of those places where it's not like they're going to have a ton of fans like right there in the town that are ready to go. Like Norman has Oklahoma city and Norman's, you know, fairly decent sized. So you got a ton of fans within a day's driving distance, but like Lubbock there's, I mean, they have fans that have to drive all over the, all over Texas to get there and stay in hotels. And like, it's a process to go to a, a Texas Tech Red Raider game if you don't live in the the town of Lubbock. So I wonder what it's going to be like for schools like that if people just kind of throw their hands up and don't want to make the trip because it's not going to be that same atmosphere or if they're still going to treat it as usual. I would assume they'll treat it as usual. Now, across the country, it looks like the majority of schools, right, they're saying, hey, please don't tailgate, guys, please. We don't think that's a good idea. So, uh, like you're saying, the, the game day experience for fans, I mean, it's just going to be completely different. Now, I do think a lot of people are going to go to the games if if they're able to, if they're fortunate enough. Like, their tickets, I don't know what kind of lottery system or, you know, I know that it has a lot to do with how much you've donated, how long you've been a season ticket holder, all that stuff. But I think a lot of people are just going to want to get out of the damn house right? A lot of people have been cooped up. They haven't been able to do the things they're used to doing. And this is something like, even if they have to wear a mask the entire game, like this is something that they always do. I mean, people, people plan their lives around football season. And I I mean, that is not an overstatement. Like it's not. So I, I can't imagine someone would be like, yeah, you know what? I got my tickets, but I'm going to give them up. Now I could be wrong. Maybe that'll happen more than I think, but I Since think the they're hard that, to get. I mean, right. people may pay a big premium for them. Ooh. You know, I don't know on the it's, secondary market. Yeah. I, I do. Part of me does feel like also that 
whenever you they have the first game, everyone goes and it's kind of like looking around and keeping their distance and no one's tailgating. And then the second game, you let your guard down a little bit more and you get a little bit closer and, hey, yeah, well, I bet we could show up and not have a big tailgate, but kind of hang out a little bit. But I, you know what I'm saying? Like I feel as each game goes on, people are going to start to feel more and more like normal. And at some point during the season, I'm not going to tell you there's going to be 85,000 people there, but I imagine it's going to turn into what seems like a, at least a fairly normal college football atmosphere. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we won't, we won't know what that's going to look like. You know, what, what is the month of November going to look like? I, hey, I got, I'll tell you what, though. We played college football. I mean, isn't that that was that's hey, part of the battle? That was, that was the big question. Like, are we even going to play games? Well, yeah, we all watched one. It wasn't very good. But shout out to Central Arkansas, right? Getting it done. There you go. Hey, you know what? That um, quarterback from Austin P. Oh, man. Rough night for that kid. Did he have a panda tattoo on his arm? Did anybody else see that? Panda? I'm pretty sure. I could be crazy. I'm pretty sure the kid had a panda on his throwing arm. And he threw the ball like a panda because he was not very. Now, I, that is what was the that panda is a statement. I, it looked like it was just. Yeah, it looked like it was just like laying down. Like, I, I, huh. I don't know. <laughs> I'd been drinking quite a bit too, so I could just be completely well, wrong. Well, he may have been drinking too whenever he got the panda tattoo. <laughs> There's you no never know. Doubt. Now, South Florida will come to Notre Dame on September 19th. So that'll be Notre Dame's non conference game in the 10 plus one ACC format. Sign me up for that one. I mean, that is a really solid game. I mean, South Florida, they got some good players, they recruit pretty well down there. In the state of Florida, they always have good athletes at the skill positions. But that's a really solid game on a weekend where OU and OSU aren't playing, right? Because that's the break between the non-con game and then the start of Big 12 play. So I was a little worried about that weekend. Like, what type of games are we going to get? And then we get a quality matchup like South Florida and Notre Dame. I'm all for it. Yeah, it's, I, the early part of the season is going to be strange. There's, gonna, there's oh, not sure. a whole lot of – great games it's just kind of like let's all go see if we can go play a little bit and then once you get into September 26th though I mean there's great games starting on that weekend that go all the way through because you've got so many conference uh good conference matchups so yeah South Florida and Notre Dame this year that's about as good as you can ask for everyone else pretty much has horrible non-conference games it's just kind of what it turned into and um, this is actually one of the better ones out there, really. Yeah, and maybe the best one, right? And I don't think there's going to be – you know those lists are always like, the best non-conference games ranked. I'm guessing that's number one. I don't know. I haven't looked at it. I've kind of given up on the non-conference I feel stuff. like that was like – that's such an off-season thing that uh, everyone's given up on that and moved on. They've already got that material. They submitted their their – we they already made that, the list. Yeah, they had that story back in March or April, so they're not redoing it. And I don't yeah. blame them. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame them at all. Now, Ted, let's check in on our favorite dumpster fire, Big Ten football. And, well, things are officially getting weird. We thought that eight Nebraska players suing the Big Ten and the Big Ten then responding 
would be the weirdest thing we saw from the conference this week. But no, 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 no. That got overshadowed very quickly because according to multiple, multiple reports, there are some discussions about the Big Ten starting a season as early as around Thanksgiving with a possible 10-game schedule. Ohio State's athletic director, Gene Smith, confirmed to Bruce Feldman that the Thanksgiving start is actually being discussed. So this is no longer some sort of hypothetical theory. Like this isn't sources saying it's Gene Smith, the most important athletic director in the conference saying. So there's also a discussion of a season that starts in January, which sounds like a horrible idea to me. I, I, I was stunned. I was stunned when I saw this, but then again, I thought a little about it and I was like, you know what? I really don't have a problem with them changing their minds or reversing course or whatever you want to call it, because there's a lot of factors at play here. And the number one factor I think is things definitely didn't go the way they thought it would go. Like Ted, they thought that the rest of the power five were just going to cancel once they did. Right. Like that, that's what they, assumed would happen and well it didn't go that way no this is the classic um they had three seven offsuit and went all in at the poker table <laughs> and someone said i've got aces you know i mean it was just like a disaster oh man <laughs> well but but i thought what happened yeah this is bad for the big 10 and they are you got to give it up to the football guys because they are still fighting and scrapping and doing everything they can to still play football as soon as possible not just uh you know punt to the spring so i don't know i mean in theory it actually sounds pretty cool uh to start on thanksgiving uh play through december and kind of compete there with the the nfl playoffs a little bit in january and then I guess finish your season in what, uh, middle of February or so. It sounds awesome, but it also got me thinking like, you know, if you can start and finish that quickly, we've got to figure out a way to keep the season currently from dragging on as long as it does. That, like the December deal, I think it would be so much better, but I know it's kind of been part of the way things are done, but having a conclusion there and just getting it done, bam, 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 at the end of the season, I think would be helpful. But You don't like that month between conference championship games and the college football playoff? What's wrong with you, dude? Come on. Well, it's see, ridiculous. Give them, give them a week. Give them two weeks. Let's play some football, boys. Like, come on. Let's I agree, get this thing rolling. I also do, by that time, this is so lame, but uh, I'm, I feel like I'm needing a break myself, even though I haven't even played, I haven't done anything. <laughs> so uh, a little I get, I get that. a couple of I weekends is like, okay, this is decent. But no, I mean, yeah, if you can start and get it done that quick, I'm like, then why have we been playing football games in August whenever it's 104 degrees outside? Right. But, you know. I no, I, I just can't. I like that they're trying to get something going, though. I mean, yeah, uh, kudos for the effort. I I can't believe I'm going to say this, but let's give the Big Ten some credit. One of I and I firmly believe this. One of the biggest problems on planet Earth today is people's inability to admit 
that they made a mistake, that they were wrong, that they maybe, maybe they made a hasty decision, maybe that they have gathered new information and that changes what they think on a topic. I mean, this can apply to all kinds of different things in life. People well, just, refuse for myself, to admit. I don't know what that's like having never been wrong. I just, I don't know <laughs> what that's like to okay. ever have to go back and, uh, and change your opinion on something. But for the Big Ten, the testing advancements, right, that have come out in the last couple of weeks, you know, we see people gathering more information and developing protocols when it comes to the cardiac concerns, right, all those, the heart screening and everything that is being added by conferences. Like, is this a PR nightmare that it has come out that they are thinking about playing football in the fall? Yes, it's a PR nightmare. They look disorganized. They look bad. Like, it, it, it does not look great. But I do want to give them some credit that they're at least having these discussions because I, I, think, I think it is okay for them to admit that maybe they made a mistake and that they should revisit it. Like, I know we're all going to roast their ass, and we should. This has been an absolute debacle by the Big Ten. But I do think we should give them some credit because this looks terrible, and they know that, but they're still talking about it. And I, I think it's because they want to do what's best for the kids. I mean, a lot of people are like, well, are they worried about the lawsuits? Is that pressuring? No, they'd win all those lawsuits. They have better lawyers. Come on, let's be real. But I, I do think, I don't, wanna, I don't think they deserve credit, but I, it's nice. That's what I'll say. It's nice. It's refreshing to see someone revisit something and maybe admit that they made a mistake. Teddy, I, I know that people are just, killing them for it but it's nice to see that they're trying i know this sounds ridiculous but it, it is it's i i i saw it and i was like you know what good for them good for them well here's the thing and i agree with you in in everything that you said and pr nightmare yeah it is but you know what's a bigger pr nightmare is if you don't have a plan to play still and maybe it's the spring maybe it's who knows what you're still just batting things around if you don't have a plan while all of your fans are sitting there on Saturdays in October and November watching the rest of the college football world play and you're still not doing anything that is a huge PR nightmare so oh, yeah if they can just get something together and agree on something and just try and find that start date and get going then you know, but here's the interesting thing for me. If, if they can put something together and start on Thanksgiving, why Thanksgiving? Yeah, why not like the middle of October? Like yeah, given exactly. Six weeks, let's roll. Yeah, exactly. Why, I mean, well, it, it sounds like there's athletic directors and coaches kind of pushing for an October start date. Now, clearly these are very – interesting conversations taking place. They're ongoing, they're developing, whatever term you want to use. But yeah, I think the football guys, they want to start as soon as possible. Let's be real. The Big Ten coaches and players, they want to be eligible for the college football playoff. Like they want the season to sync up as much as possible. And that's what I would do. I'd get started as soon as possible. 
reduce, reduce the amount of games to where we're finishing at the same time as the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC, and throw my hat in the college football playoff. That's what I would do if I was the Big 10. Now, three weeks. They could be playing football in three weeks. Yeah, if, well, they had, if they had a plan, if they had – if everyone just got together and said, here's what we're going to do, how's, here's how we're going to practice, here's how we're going to test, uh, you guys start training camp, we'll get the schedule together. Three weeks you could have guys ready to go. That gives you a little bit of acclimation time to get in before you start, like, hitting and going full on in practice. Two weeks of practice, man. That's all you need. Are you going to be as seasoned and as – as good as if you had a four- or six-week training camp? No, but get on the field. Just get right. on the field. And it would change so much. And I don't want to be too dramatic, but just think of everything it changes. If they go from the plan being a winter or spring season, that probably will not happen, right, in all likelihood. It, it just doesn't seem that likely to me that they would be able to make that work. But you go from that actually playing some football in the fall. So just think of how that affects the players and coaches, right? Not only physically, clearly, with playing games and ramping up practice, all this stuff, but like mentally. Like what does it do to a college football player when he knows he's got games to play? Like not just what he's doing, you know, football-wise, but what he does away from the facility. Mm -hmm. Like, these guys' mentality would change completely if there were games for them on the horizon. And the same for coaches. Like, coaches are going to be more cautious with what they're doing off the field. And then, then we get into the discussion about communities, right? How many businesses in these college towns will go out of business if they don't play a season at all? Like, there's, there's probably a, quite a few. Think about how that changes some of these communities, even if they don't start until Thanksgiving. Like, it, it changes so much. And then the best players might play. I mean, some of the best players are going to say, I need to get more things on tape. I am not a surefire first-rounder. I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the spring. That's why they're moving it to the Thanksgiving right there. You move it to the spring, there ain't no chance those guys play. Exactly, no chance, and I don't blame them. So I, I think a lot of people are looking at it, and I actually had Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic tweeted me and was like, well, it, it really doesn't change anything. They're still postponing the season. And I was like, it changes everything. What are you? I was like, what are you talking about? It changes everything in my mind. So uh, I'm excited that they're having the discussions. Who knows if anything will come of it. But the notion that the Big 12 in the SEC and the ACC should wait for them, they should push back their seasons to accommodate the Big 10, what the hell? There's absolutely no chance that happens. And it's like, yeah, okay, you guys, you made a mistake. You made a hasty decision. You pulled the plug too early. Yeah, we'll wait for you. That's not how the real world works. What in the world are we talking about? No way. I saw someone throw that out there, and I almost passed out whenever I read the tweet. Uh, Like, wait, what? Everyone should wait so we can all enjoy college football together? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. That ain't how this thing's going to go down. Uh, A dollar waiting on a dime, if you ever heard an old coach say that, is exactly what that would be. 
no one cares about the Big Ten. I know they may think that they're ultra-important up there, and they are ultra-important, but everyone else is moving on. We're playing this thing, and it's going to be glorious. And I will admit that it's going to suck not having the Big Ten there. There's always some good football games going on. Agreed. Pac-12, it's what we do whenever we all get home from watching college football all day. We watch them. So that's going to be missed. But aside from that, sorry. Yeah, Sorry. and I I just think it's hilarious. People are like, yeah, 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 they should just wait, and we should play college football, be as close to normal as possible. Listen, like, that that's just – that that's not going to happen. But also, we just saw the Power Five conferences be completely unable to work together. Like, <laughs> like they have proven – that they cannot work together and get on the same page. And you expect them to get on the same page after that, especially for the Big Ten, who is the one that blindsided everyone yep. initially? Like, there's no way. Like, it's a, that's a it fairy twice. tale. The Big Ten did it twice to people. It would be one thing if they had worked together all along and just said, dang it, guys, it just it doesn't look like we're going to be able to pass the vote with our presidents and chancellors. Unfortunately, it looks like. Coming up, heads up, two days from now, we're going to be announcing the uh, cancellation of our season. And that's not how it worked. They did it twice. They did it the first time with the non-conference. They preemptively let that out there whenever everyone was like, whoa, wait, what's happening? Um, and then they do it again by canceling the season. You don't get to do that, acting all on your own, and then expect everyone to wait around on you. No, that yeah. does, it does not work that way. Uh one other thing in the Big Ten, and those who you know are on Twitter a lot, it, it seems like people owe our man Sir Yacht on Twitter an apology because, well, it, it seems some of the the stuff that we thought was crazy that he was putting out there, like turns out that dude was right. So Sir Yacht, I now I didn't slander him publicly, but I know many that did. I, I think those people owe you an apology. Teddy, Tell do you know me about who the Sir Yacht? No. I don't know who he is, but he has been putting some pretty, uh, some pretty hot takes, some hot takes out there uh, with sources, of course. There's always sources for our man Sir Yacht, but he put the Big Ten thing out like three or four days before the report started coming out, and I was like, look at this dude putting it out there and then like everyone was like hey man sorry sir yacht that that's our bad so that's i thought funny. i thought that was pretty funny and then um a little it, it is interesting because it's so different when you look at the backlash the big 10 has gotten compared to the backlash that the pac-12 has gotten for canceling the season now kudos to the pac-12 much more organized right with the way that they canceled the season, putting the document out, you know, rolling Larry Scott and, you know, a doctor and an AD, a school president, all those people out to answer questions. Like it, it was certainly a more efficient canceling process. But now you look at COVID-19 positivity rates dropping in Arizona. You've got case counts dropping in the state of Washington. You, you look at California's numbers even. They appear to be getting under control. And I wonder if they regret it like the Big Ten, but just aren't saying anything publicly because they're not getting the same amount of blowback from their fans or even the players. I've seen a couple players say something, but 
it's a great reminder that we make fun of the Pac-12 for a reason. And it's because people don't care about football out there. They just they don't. don't. It's not the same. And that's why you're seeing the Big Ten come out and say, you know what? We're having these discussions. And you're hearing absolutely nothing from the Pac-12. Nothing. Well, there's, there's a reason their season cancellation was way more organized. It's because they've been planning it since March 13th. March 12th, I believe, was the Thunder Jazz game, right? Is that right? 11th that sounds, or 12th? Yeah, that sounds right. The very next day, the Pac-12 started planning their cancellation of the, uh, the season. Which, they were getting those loans ready to go. Dude, it was, I'm serious. I, I say that half-jokingly. Governor Newsom out in California said that we won't be playing sports in California until at least 2021. He said that like a week into this thing. Um, so I think that's why they've been a little more organized is because they never even anticipated playing college football this year. Yeah. Pac-12. <laughs> Those people are silly out there. They're just silly. Dude, they may be, I mean, I, they may be done, man. Big 12, pick up, hey, just pick a couple of them off. Take USC. I want USC. That'd be fun. OU, USC, hell yeah. I, hey, I wouldn't mind it, but the – just the travel situation is I could go to LA every other every year, year though yeah. that'd be nice yeah there's like I said before there's been talk of some big conference realignment stuff and um I will tell you that that name did come up USC did the come little, up the little birdies chirped USC that, huh. that name was uh without me ever asking the University of Southern Cal was thrown into the discussion. So I will say this. When people call him Southern Cal, it really throws me off. I'm That's like, why Southern I do Cal? It. Who's Southern Cal? Like, who, who's that? Is that a Division II school? And it's the same with South Carolina. When they call him USC, I'm like, no one calls him that. But I, I don't know. Maybe people out there do. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments. And since it's Monday, you're going to get some football guys talking basketball. Yes, FGTV. And that is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect. He built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. They continue to be so easy to work with as they help us with a few things, finishing it up. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Oh, man. Um, game five, Thunder Rockets. Uh, yeah, that didn't. Uh, that was not very fun to watch. That was, that was not very fun. The Thunder got off to a really slow start, but then came storming back in the second quarter, led by Dennis Schroeder, who I think, what, had 18 in the second quarter alone. It was a three-point game at halftime. I was feeling good. I was like, oh, the second half is going to be awesome. Thunder in a clutch game situation. I feel really good about it. Let's go. And then 
The second half was an absolute nightmare for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They end up getting blown out 114 to 80, Mm. 80 points in an NBA game. Teddy, I I don't think it takes a rocket scientist, and, and we don't pretend to be big X's and O's basketball guys. We, we just kind of call it how we see it. That's, that's the best we can do, right, from an analysis standpoint. But that was an ass-kicking in that second half. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I wonder how much the, the stoppage, the boycott changed things. And – I know what you're saying. Chris Paul looked tired. I, yeah. I know he said after the game, no excuses. When you're on the court, you got to play like that whole thing. But 16 points, three assists. I, he, he, I don't know. This sounds weird, but like, did you see the look on his face? I mean, this I, is a guy that just looked, he looked exhausted from everything that he had on his plate the last few days right. as the head of the players union. Like he, he did not look he just didn't look like he had a ton of in, energy in in game five of a playoff game. You know that guy is, I mean, it's the team that traded him. He has the reputation of not being do, able to advance in the playoffs. Like, he just didn't have it, man. He didn't have it. Yeah, I agree. And I think mentally, emotionally, that the boycott took its toll on a bunch of teams. And I think it was – you know, for teams that don't honestly – like, if you sat down and you injected Chris Paul or Adams or Schroeder with True Serum and said, Can you, are you guys good enough to win an NBA championship this year? They would tell you no. We just don't have the talent, right? We're, right. we're, we're a good, solid basketball team. We're competitive, but we're not good enough to win a championship. I feel like the boycott and everything that came with it the the meetings the the high level of of angst um the disagreements between different groups within the nba that were actually in that meeting i think and this is just me guessing but i gotta feel like some teams came out of that thing and said let's get out of here man i'm just i'm ready to go see my family i'm ready to get out of this bubble this stress is just not worth it. And I wonder if that – And it But seems- so – just, just looking at the Thunder specifically, so many of them played shitty. Yeah. Like, like, I can understand Chris Paul. Like, he's having to stay up to 5 o'clock in the morning dealing with all the Players Association stuff. But Galladari had one point. Shea had four points. And it was, it was the, the biggest glaring example for me of the season where – Shea, it, the, his lack of physical strength showed up. Like, he, he could not get to the right – like, he could not play with the force that Billy Donovan always talks. Like, he was getting cut off, and guys that were stronger than him were locking him down. Like, that's, that's what happened. Like, and – I mean, it was obvious. And then <laughs> Lou Dort took 16 shots. <laughs> I mean, it, what was he, like, 0 of 9 from 3? It's like, Lou – You've missed them all. Let's let's move the ball. I know. Hey, I, I know that Chris Paul's in your ear saying, "Hey, keep shooting." I'm telling you to stop, Lou. Please stop because I can't take it anymore. I love Gallinari's uh, one point. 
I once had a basketball game where I had one point. I hit the uh, front half of a one and one, and that was it. And I remember thinking after the game, looking at the stat line, thinking, I think it would have been better to have zero points than to have one point. <laughs> You're like, man, that's kind of depressing. <laughs> Only one? It's but, horrible. But, I, I mean, they got beat by 34. And no contest. I mean, Westbrook really wasn't a factor. Like he no. he wasn't a factor. Now, clearly, and it's probably silly that it's taken us this long to talk about it. What'd you think of the shooter ejection? I didn't think that him or PJ Tucker should have been ejected. I thought that was soft as hell. Like I I don't think he hit him in the dick on purpose. Like I don't. Now did it look? But I don't think he, it even. It, what P.J. Tucker did, it wasn't a headbutt. Like, he put his head on him. He didn't headbutt him. Like, if you want to see a headbutt, see Teddy Lehman in the bar circa 2002. Or but I, I just – and they fined him 25 grand each. Like, it just seemed extreme to me. Like, just give them both the flagrant and let the dudes play. Come on. Yeah, I agree. Let them play. It'll be fine. Give them a flagrant. I don't think uh, Schroeder did it on purpose. You heard the quote post game saying that he's known him since what 2012. They played in Europe together, and um, he, he he didn't mean to. Although, whenever you watch it on replay, it's like, well, how did that happen if we weren't doing it on purpose? It was inadvertent contact, right. Teddy. Come on, yeah. it was a bang, as Billy Donovan said, it was a bang bang play. I thought when he said <laughs> that, he didn't know that he was making a great joke. But uh, oh, he did. Man. He did unknowingly. I was like, nice one, Billy. Yeah. Uh, whenever a coach says something was a bang-bang play, that's their way of saying that their player did it on purpose. Um, <laughs> always. So it true. always has been. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit harsh. I think the NBA has been way too harsh on their guys in these situations for way too long. Um you know, yeah. I, I don't you want saw Marcus malice. Morris get ejected yeah. today, right? Hitting Luca like, and I was like, yeah, that was a foul, but he also hit the ball. Yeah. It was a good hard foul, but that's not an ejection. And I know there's been a little bit of history with those guys the last couple of games, but you know, I don't want the malice in the palace. Okay. That's not what I'm saying here, but well, they can't I think, fight any of the fans. There's no fans. Well, there. I, <laughs> I'm just saying, I think they need, need to loosen it up a little bit with on how you. they call these guys. I'm with Like, you know? ejecting a guy is – it, like, goes back to when they ejected Porzingis for just running up to it. It's like, guys, stop ejecting. Like, Dennis Schroeder was the best player on the floor in the first half for either team. He was the best player on the floor for the Thunder, and it wasn't even close. And you threw him out of the damn game. Right. Like – like and I know they were down big when he got ejected. I think it had ballooned to what like seventeen or eighteen. But that doesn't mean they couldn't come back. We had just seen him do it in the first quarter to the second quarter. Like it just pissed me off. I'm with you. They need they need to chill just a little bit. Let let these guys beat the shit out of each other just a little bit. It's it's pro sports, guys. Let me ask you this: How much does the now that you're you're going into game six? How much does the if we lose, we get to go home. We get to leave the bubble. See, you get to I, go to your your own house. You get to see your girlfriend. You get to see your parents. You get to see your family. You get to go wherever you want. How much does that play in? Do you think zero? So, game six, Monday night, 8 o'clock on TNT. Win or go home, obviously. 
for the Thunder. I think this comes down to leadership, right? And if there's anything we've learned this year, is that it's that Chris Paul just might be the best leader in all of basketball. I don't think, even with everything that guy's dealing yeah, with. He may right? be the guy that wants to go home the most, though. I'm with you. I get it. But even with everything that that guy's dealing with, I, I find it very hard to believe that he's not going to say, guys, this is do or die. We got to put it all on the line. Like, I, I can't imagine there's anyone in that locker room saying that, especially if Chris Paul is near them. <laughs> like, there's no way right. because. Well, I mean, in the grand scheme, they've only been there a month, right? Today is and a month. their family gets to come if they win. Remember, they get to bring a right. couple people. So yeah. anyone going, oh, I just want to go home and be with my family. It's like, no, you want to win. You want to keep getting paid playing in the next round. And we'll just bring them into uh, what – appears to be the safest environment on planet earth. Like they've had zero positives for forever. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. I, I don't know what they do down there, but it's incredible. So yeah, it's simple as that. And win or go home game six for the thunder. Uh, I'd like to think that one thing that I think is a key for the thunder. Please don't think you have to get into a three point contest with the Rockets, the Thunder shot 46 threes in game five. I think, what was it, like seven of 46? Like just something absurd, like just incredibly bad. Like hard to believe that professional basketball players could shoot that poorly when I looked at uh, it. I mean, let's not act like Houston has like the greatest perimeter defense in the NBA. They basically, they literally tell people that they don't play defense. So right. that's kind of difficult. Now, they've ramped it up. I, I have been impressed with their defense, but yeah, game better. six, fingers crossed, everyone. All right, Ted, let's move on to our winners and losers of the weekend. And winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. Tighten it up a little bit, you know. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I had to go with golf fans um, on a Sunday afternoon not expecting a whole lot. I was watching a little NBA playoffs and flipping back and forth to the PGA. And it turned into an unbelievable tournament down the stretch. Um, for those that didn't see it, Dustin Johnson on 18 has to make a birdie putt to force a playoff with John Rahm and has a 43-foot uh, downhill snake and drains it right in the middle of the cup to force a, a – I- I could not believe it went in. I was I know, like, I was... that's one of those moments when you're watching pro golfers and sometimes everyone loves watching them mess up, right? Because we all mm -hmm. can relate to that. But when a guy hits a putt like that, I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, like, I couldn't do I, – I could get 100 chances and I wouldn't get close. Like, those guys are incredible, dude. No, it was unreal. And, you know, I started screaming and um, 
my wife's like, what's going on? And I, I was like, you got to see this putt. And she wasn't very impressed, but uh, <laughs> I was, I thought it was fantastic. And which by the way, also there was, um, oh gosh, I forgot to write his name down, but a guy had to make a, like a four foot par putt to be able to make it into the top 30 to play in the championship next week. And it was the most nervous putt uh, I've ever watched uh, just for a guy that's like kind of random there in, in the, in the group. So that was interesting. So they have the, the, the replay 18 in the playoff with Rom and Dustin Johnson and Rom hits a 62 foot putt birdie to win the playoff. Another unbelievable putt. It was almost like a, an even longer version of Dustin Johnson's just, it was a fantastic ending on uh, just kind of a random Sunday there with the PGA. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. It, that, that's something that is super underrated in sports is that close finish to a golf tournament. Now, obviously it's even better if it's a major, right? But I don't know why, like you're on the couch and you're just nervous. Like you're yeah. just, you're, you're nervous for that. Like it, it, it makes no sense that you're so nervous, but it is kind of exhilarating to watch guys duel on a Sunday. Like, I think that's an underrated thing in sports. No, it, it is. And then, you know, it wasn't over when Rom hit that putt. Dustin Johnson had a chance to answer with another long uh, putt of, of uh, his own. And he got really close to making that putt too. So we almost had another one, but yeah. So golf fans, are uh are my winner of the weekends with some fantastic stuff there on a nice finish on a really brutal course uh that chewed the guys up this week yeah all right who do you have as your loser of the weekend ted well i almost had john rom as my <laughs> loser because i guess it was yesterday and i didn't see this but he hits a ball on the green walks up to it doesn't mark it and picks the ball up and it's a one-stroke penalty. And if he hadn't have made that putt, there's a chance he loses that tournament because of that one stroke to Dustin Johnson. And it was because he walked up to the green and picked the ball up. Listen, I'm a loser. I'm a horrible golfer. I like to play. I play with my friends. Even I would never do something like that. I mean, since you first start playing golf, you know that you mark yeah. your ball on the green. That's – that's one of those things like you see a guy like address the ball, maybe it moves a little bit and you're like, okay, well that sucks. Yeah. That's just bad luck, but not marking it. He walked like, up to the green and picked it up and then looked at his caddy like, what, 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 what are you doing? What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> so he almost made my loser list, but I ended up, um, I had to pick on Kirk Herbstreet here Ooh, because it made me really mad whenever this first happened. Way back in March, Kirk Herbstreit, who, right or wrong, is kind of looked at as the voice of college football, right? I mean, he's – when you think I think that's of, fair. The, the yeah. face of college football, for sure. I agree, 100%. And way back in March, it was like March 20th, March 20-something, uh, Kirk Herbstreit said that he'd be shocked if he saw college football or NFL played in the fall. And we're like a week and a half into the pandemic. We don't have information. We don't know what's going to occur. And Kirk Herbstreit throws that down. And that immediately starts the panic and the cascading effect of people, you know, panicked about what the college football season is going to hold and if they don't play. And 
typically you would say, oh, well, it's just a statement. I mean, what does that matter? Well, it matters to people like football programs that are trying to sell their season tickets. It matters to uh, people that are trying to sell advertising for college football. I mean, there's a million reasons why there's a, you don't panic that early whenever you're that far away from playing college football. And whenever you've got the platform that he does, that is massive. Like I can say stupid stuff on Twitter and barely anyone notices. But when Kirk Herbstreet says something <laughs> That's not stupid true. on Twitter. That's not true. You're a respected voice in college football. Uh, you know that. I mean, it actually has an effect when someone like Kirk Herbstreet does it. So it made me mad whenever he made that statement way back in March before we had any information or knew what was going to happen. And the fact that we had a college football game last night and we're gearing up to start play and SEC, ACC, Big 12 is, is moving through this thing. I just had to look back on that and say that was a loser move by Herb Street. Yeah, well, it, at least he's being punished for that overreaction, right? Yeah. He's, he's on Monday the number one. He's on and... yeah, Monday Night Football. He's the, you know, the top team in all of college football. Yeah, that guy. Probably got a probably got a big extension after that. Yeah, he's he's going to every game on a private jet. No, See, Kirk, guys, this just proves how much I mean to the sport. Sign yeah, me up Kirk, for more. Kurt's a good dude. Like he is a good dude. But yeah, that was uh once again a miscalculation. And I know one thing. He's really glad he was wrong. Sure. Because him being wrong makes him a whole lot of money. And hey, he's he is really good at what he does. All right, Ted, my winner of the weekend and follow me on this because I thought about going with Ohio state defensive task, defensive tackle Haskell Garrett. He got shot in the face Mm -hmm. this weekend. And I realized it was really weird to make a guy that got shot in the face this weekend. I, and any of anybody that doesn't know, like I'm talking like he took a bullet through and through his cheek. The dude got shot in the face. Now, it sounds like he's in stable condition, so we can kind of talk about it. I feel better about it. Sounds like he's doing well. Thank God, right? But it's, it's clearly not good to be shot in the face. But you talk about something that will intimidate the hell out of guys across from you in a football game. And I think he's a senior, and he's played in a lot of games for them. When you line up against a defensive tackle, and you know that he got shot in the face and it didn't face him at all. And he just bounced back like it was nothing like, you know, it's going to be a long day. You know it. You're just like, oh, well, I mean, this guy got shot in the face. Like he's, he's got to be tough. So I was like, you know what? That's kind of a win for him. Now, hopefully. Well, he's, I think a it's scar. a win. Anytime you get shot. Anywhere in the head and survive. That's also a a very good point. That's maybe that's why I should have. Yeah. If I was to pick anywhere to be shot, it would be through the cheek. Um, If it, I mean, talking about being shot in the head, but you know, that's that's it. Everywhere else is going to be incredibly damaging. That's about the only way it's not. Yeah, but I I I didn't I didn't make him my winner of the weekend. Uh, My winner of the weekend is actually it's got some local flavor. Teddy, does the name Alexander Hughes mean anything to you? It does now after I saw this. It it certainly does now. Alexander Hughes golfed at UCO. 
couple years ago. But late last week, he tied the Guinness Book of World Records lowest score in a single round of golf when he shot a 55 at South Lakes Golf Course in Jinx. He shot a 26 on the front, a 29 on the back. I mean, what happened on the back there, Alexander? Come on, get it together. Uh, For those of you that aren't good at math like us, that's 16 under par in a golf round. What? 16 under, like, I saw this, and clearly you play college golf. Like, the kid's good, right? No, doesn't matter where you play. What does that feel like? That was my initial reaction. Was like, dude, like you talk about being in the zone. Like that's unbelievable. Well, we almost had a chance to see that last week on the PGA with Dustin uh, yeah, Johnson. With DJ. It was like, was it like ten under through nine or it something was, like that? It was unreal. Then, uh, yeah, there's another guy that fell apart. He only shot a sixty, uh, fell apart on the back nine. But, dude, that's insane. Like, I've done that on. Tiger Woods golf video game. (laughs) But aside from that, I can't even, I don't even know what that would feel like to hit every single shot, pure, perfect, exactly how you want to. That's got to be amazing. Yeah. And he almost shipped in on 18 to like have sole possession of the world record. Like it it barely missed. And one fun fact, I played football with Alexander Hughes's brother, JP at OU. So I was like, he actually, JP actually reached out to me. He was like, did you see what my brother did? I was like, dude, that's your brother? Oh, my God. I, I just, I wonder what that felt like. And for me, if you go out there and you shoot 55, that's your last round of golf. You just never play again. You just say, you know what? Yeah. I have been to the mountaintop. It is good. I'm done. Uh, I'm, I'm putting the clubs not, in the garage. Every other time out, it's like that elusive 54. It's going to be a massive disappointment every other time you go on the course, right? Yeah. I, I, I saw a quote. Like, I, I think one of his like, buddy's dads was golfing with him. He was like, yeah, I was like two under, but uh, I lost by 14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, That's oh, my funny. God. Yeah, so that was congratulations to Alexander Hughes. That was cool, and it was cool that it happened here in the state of Oklahoma. All right, then my loser of the weekend. Now, uh, I thought about going with Twitter because apparently their algorithm or whatever puts the football notifications out. Apparently, it didn't understand that all the games in college football had been canceled. So it let us, uh, it made us all go through a ton of pain. When you telling we, me games were trending that didn't even happen? Is that what was going it on? Was, it was literally, it, it was so painful. It was like Sooners and Bears. So I was like, no, it's not happening. <laughs> I, I, it should be happening, but it's not. But, yeah, so that, that made me a little upset. But the loser of the weekend is LSU football, man. And there's a reason I skipped over Jamar Chase opting out in the roundup. It's because I was using him here. So, Jamar Chase, your best player, opts out and – I, I will give him credit for the honesty. Says it's not COVID related. He says he's getting ready for his pro career. Done with college football. Is the guy that won the Blitnikoff last year. Almost had eighteen hundred yards receiving. Had twenty touchdowns. And good for him, right? It, it's pretty nice to be so good at football that 
you basically get to take an entire year off just working on getting faster and stronger and working with a bunch of, you know, other professionals, probably guys that are going to get you ready for the league, probably, you know, start watching a bunch of pro films, stuff like that. Like he has proved everything he needs to prove. Now, do I like that he's sitting out and that it may cause a trend in the future? No, I don't like it, but I get it. But then there was this image Ted, of LSU's depth chart from the national championship game going around. And I was looking at it. And the reason they're my loser of the weekend is it's unbelievable how many guys they've lost. Like, they have two starters returning on offense. They've got, like, five on defense. But you, you also have to remember they lost Joe Brady. They lost Dave Aranda. They've got marquee games against Florida, Auburn, Bama, A&M. Like, they've got that brutal 10-game SEC grind this year. I, I can't see them winning more than, I don't know, seven games? Like, if they go seven and three, Coach O deserves some sort of a reward. I mean, because when you see this depth chart and all the red lines, through it, you're just like, oh, my God. Like, it was unreal. And then, clearly... Jamar Chase opting out, you lose your best player. So not a great weekend for the LSU Tigers. No, they've lost all of their best players and all of their best coaches. Um, that's not a good combination for the upcoming year. And the fact that you're seeing Jamar Chase opting out now, I think that tells you everything you need to know about, what is it, Miles Brennan? The, the quarterback there. <laughs> He's like, nah, I'm good. Right. If if there was someone there that was ripping the ball up and down the field and he's like, okay, I'm gonna get some some plays here, some big yardage. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna push this thing on. Um, no. I think that tells you that Brennan and whatever they're doing there with the offense is not gonna be like last year. So he's opting out. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people are starting to wonder, hey, is this gonna become a trend? right? The best junior sitting out a year and just getting ready for the NFL. I think it's going to start coming up more. I think there's been guys that have thought about it before, you know, like Clowney comes to mind, right? But if a guy is at the level of Jamar Chase, like he should be able to just come out and play in the NFL. Like he's good enough. He's mature enough. Now I know you don't want a ton of guys, but really it only applies to a handful of guys each year. So even if it becomes a trend, I mean, what's it going to be? Two, three, four, five guys? Like, okay. I mean, it, it will suck not to have the best players in college football, but we'll get over it. Well, here's the thing. If those guys aren't in, there's going to be five new best players in college football. That's a good point. We're See, not just, we're this not is just why I keep you around. That, that is why I keep no you around. players. Yeah, I – there's there's enough guys out there that you'll replace them. They'll be missed for a little bit, but we'll have guys making all kinds of plays out there. And out of sight, out of mind. That's right. And I know that, listen, guy like Jamar Chase, he's put a lot of great stuff on film, but when you're not putting more things on film, maybe some other guy emerges, and all of a sudden, you're no longer the number one wide receiver once again i got no problem with him opting out he's taking care of his body he's doing what he's think he thinks is best for him no problem gonna be a top 10 pick but it does kind of open the door for other guys it does that's just the truth yep. so we'll see 
All right, let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment, and that is Keeping It Local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. And Keeping It Local is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools are reopening in the fall, parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no students are overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. Okay, our Keeping It Local story, I'm not even going to pretend. It's not my thing. It's just not. But I know how important it is to a lot of Oklahomans. Tuesday is a big day, and it's a big day for a lot of people that listen to this podcast. So I'm excited for you guys because the fall hunting season starts with the opening of dove season Tuesday. And I know a lot of people that treat this like it's a holiday. They take off work. They take their kids out of school. So I am pumped for all you guys that you get to go out there and do your thing. Now, I I did read an article by Ed Godfrey in the Oklahoma, and I just want to give a thorough breakdown of what Ed said. Because once again, this is not my thing. I don't pretend it is my thing. Just so you know, hunters out there, supposedly there's a bit of a cold front coming in, which I'm told is not ideal for dove opening day conditions. Because apparently, I guess, cooler weather means the doves scatter more. I mean, who knew? I guess heat and humidity, like they they clump together more. Once again, Hmm. I don't know why. I'm not going to pretend I do. This is what I'm being told. It may be better for you dove hunters out there to just get out there, do some scouting, take a look-see, see what's going on, and then start shooting some stuff when the weekend rolls around. That's what I've been told. That's the breakdown I got from Ed Godfrey there at the Oklahoman. I also have no idea what I'm talking about. So- here's, here's how I usually handle it. If I'm going hunting and I don't see anything, when I come back, I say I was just scouting. Okay, that's how I do it. So that's the, okay. So are you a, like his hunting? Is that your thing? Like, is that I, one, something you? I like to I hunt don't. some. Let me tell you something. This is what's fascinating. This year will be the first year since 2000, since I went to college, that I haven't been, and maybe it was even before that, whenever I was in high school, that I haven't been playing a football game or covering a football game on uh, Labor Day and opening day of Dove. So that's like, for me, this is, I've never really experienced a Labor Day holiday weekend for the biggest majority of my life. So it is interesting. I used to go Dove hunting whenever I was younger with my dad all the time. But once I started playing football, the seasons just don't match up very good if you're playing. So um, I've got a couple of invites to go out this year, and I just might do it. Oh, Great. mama. What's it, what, what, Would you like it, to go, Gabe? No, uh, I'm good. 
But okay. what is it? If it flies, it dies. Isn't that what people that that's a real thing, right? Like you, you hunters actually say that stuff. Uh, yeah, that's probably a saying out there. Um, it, it, that's typically not a problem, but I can see some hunters uh, shooting first and identifying later. That <laughs> that could be something that you do run into from time to time. Well, I, I'm excited for you, Teddy. Have you ever I'm ex- had dove? I I have eaten plenty of dove plenty uh throughout the years uh not my favorite but also i i don't think people are like it's so gamey it it tastes fine it tastes fine i love it i think it tastes great yeah it's fine and it always tastes better gabe if it's from your own hunt i'm just telling you okay you gotta try it will you if you you know have a successful hunt i don't know what the term is like okay if you kill a bunch of shit will you will, will i get a layman hunt dove to sure. roast and eat. Sure. Now, okay. have you ever Deal. eaten a dove that someone has taken in a hunt? Or is it just a restaurant dove for you? Uh, just restaurant. I assume, like, am I going to have some pellets that I'm going to have to remove at some point, I assume? You're going to have to chew carefully. You don't okay, want to crank well, down on a pellet. I'm okay? going to change my stance on this. I'm out. I, oh, I don't come want your dove. It's okay, not I'll that eat it. big of a deal. I'll eat it. Fine. But, as long as you know going dude, in. If I crack a tooth go... eating a layman dove, I'm going to be pissed, bro. I'm just, that's what I'm telling you. You don't go into it aggressively. Okay. 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 Fine. You have yourself a deal. I will eat the free dove you provide. Me. Luckily, Fine. where I live. Uh, I've got dove everywhere, and I'm out in the country good enough that I could probably uh, take a couple dove from my backyard if I need to. Well, I I won't tell anybody. You don't, <laughs> right? It's, that, that sounds like your neighbor's problem. I, I don't have to deal with that. All right, Dad, episode 38 in the books. Hey, hunters, be careful out there. Just be careful. Take care of each other. Come on now. All right, episode 38 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning, and we may or may not have a big guest. A big guest. I, I, it, it has been, fingers crossed, uh, it has been agreed to, but you never know. Things can get up. So we're not going to tell you who it is, but in exciting, that we were both fired up when uh, this man told us that he was available to record. So we're fired up. Just a, just a little uh, heads up. Could be a really good one. Uh, just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400, and you can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening, and do what you always do, Obama. Take care of each other.
for just one more 